Welcome to Unfinished Business. My name is Matt. I'm joined like by Taylor, <laughs> Tyler, and Corey. And we're not forgetting again. We've got like it this time. <laughs> we've failed three episodes in a row, so Corey's going to help us out here. Um, we have a great show planned. We're talking over a lot of new and interesting stuff. But first, last week we did a kind of a three-disc draft on how we would start our own company and what those discs would be. And most of us then completed nine holes with those three discs, filmed them, some are out, some are on their way out. So I wanted to kind of talk over them and figure out how those went and what we decided on that. Um, Corey, why don't you start us out? I think you had the first video on it. How did your round like go? Like and subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Whoa. so I uh, I had the, the Marvel, the Zombie, and the Era. And they're all in my bag already. So that it, it was kind of a cheat. But I'm, I mean, I, there were, there were some shots that I couldn't do because I didn't have the right disc, but for the most part, really well, I shot plus one, whoa, bumped the camera. I shot plus one. Um, and the only reason I did is because I tried a a trick shot on hole nine and it failed miserably. So (laughs) yeah, but, um, you should get those discs. They're really good. (laughs) I had fun watching the video. The double yeah. bogey, though, ouch. That yeah, was a tough yeah. one. Yeah. That's it's when you. Safe. That's when you're confident that you're going to make the putt because you're 12 feet and then yeah. you, you know, cage. And you showcased the disc too. Like it wasn't yeah. like you were like, "Hey, I'm going to throw this disc because it's the best disc for this shot." Like you showcased them all. So it, yeah. I felt guilty. Like I needed to do the same. So I did that a couple times too. Yeah, great job, Corey. Video was so awesome. Who who are we waiting for for the videos? I think Tyler hasn't has a video and pushed his out, and I think we'll get into some details on um, yeah. what happened to Matt. R.I.P. All right, Taylor, what's yours then? Because you have the next posted video. <laughs> yeah, so my video is out. Um, I didn't break my camera, but I did forget to plug my microphone in. So I have a microphone on my hat ready to go that the receiver Ooh. for is sitting in my pocket the entire <laughs> video. So I did a lot of debating Like when I finished. Like, do I try to just go again? Like, do I just redo it, or am I just out of here? Um, but I had a swirly esplin scepter so like kind of just a less overstable firebird i had a clash disc discs mint which incredibly underrated disc in my opinion is just like a glidier zone that's still super torque resistant has some good finish to it and then i mm-hmm. had some legacy hunters to putt with and tyler you just said that and i realized i did not throw one of those one time i just putted with them so maybe i'm the real cheater um i shot I <laughs> six down i think but my like one, the course is easy, and two, it like is very conducive to hyzers. So I had overstable discs that were very good at hyzers, and oh, I, threw I saw a lot of hyzers. Yeah. So it was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, sad about the audio, but the video's out. If you want to struggle through it, that's uh, that's my bad. <laughs> that's the reason oh, your why your forehands were sick, dude. You were ripping those puppies. Yeah. I was like, after I saw Corey's video and then you really sure. So I was like, all right, well, I'm not beating six under, so I'm just going to showcase my discs then at this point. <laughs> Yeah, you yeah. guys should should see my forehand from a year ago. The forehand has come a long way, so I, I was happy with that one. <laughs> yeah, no, the video was great. Even even if your mic was unplugged, great video. All right, Tyler, you filmed yours, but it's not released yet, correct? How'd that go? Yes, I have my editor working on two different videos right now, and I'll be working on a third that I can maybe hint at in a minute as well. So my three discs oh, were... Whoa, whoa, whoa. You have an editor? Oh, yeah. It's big time. You're not going running gun like the rest of us. I no 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 no. 
I am using my phone. I got a little mic that I got from Amazon and he's supposed to be working on it. If he doesn't, then I will, but he wants to work on it. So it is, I'll, I'll out him out. It's my cousin. He likes doing video editing. So I'm going to allow him to, if he wants to do okay. it, do it. Yeah. If not, then I'll do it. Yeah. It's totally cool. All right. So he, he messaged me. We used to do a podcast together and he was like, I, I, I'm, uh, I want to do some projects. And I said, all right, here's one if you want it. But anyways, so I had a Thunderbird. That was the, um, uh, my gosh, Nathan Queen, um, disc golf pro tour um one that came out or whatever it's like a, it's supposed to be star plastic but it's a little more of a stable clearly um i have a buzz ss z plastic and i threw a sensei which is a 2402 so it's slightly overstable but still glidey um i really like that um for a third disc or a putter it's still slightly overstable and um did pretty well showcased it i think i only shot even par in the end i had two bogeys two birdies and um those will be coming up uh real soon and uh Corey's I think, dying. I think Corey's he's dead. Dead. sorry i'm dying oh my god he's, he's back. dead oh yeah he survived I, I got him and uh so uh, yeah we we the common theme though is that we all took shots at Matt and that's the greatest thing that I could ever ask for yeah. is that it was funny when Corey did it and then Taylor did it. And then I was like, all right, when I hit a circle two put, I'm definitely doing it. And I had a couple opportunities to do it. So I'm excited. In all honesty, I don't know why I said it to begin with. <laughs> I turned around. There was nothing in my brain to like say to the camera. First thing this that came out of thing. my mouth. I mean, we be on the lookout for the t-shirts. Suck it, Matt, across the front. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, will, I will say, though, that um, I'll get I'll get to talk about my Ryder Cup in a minute, but uh, I hit a circle two putt in my Ryder Cup, and I you know, got excited and whatnot, and then about 20 seconds later, I just thought in my head, suck it, Matt. You know? <laughs> so it might be my new th- – it might be our, my new thing forever. Uh, hit a circle, hit a circle two, circle suck two. it, Matt. Yep. The, the worst part about this is the only comeback I potentially have is that I also am hitting circle two putts, but I'm putting with an ESP Luna, and it is so slick in this weather. Mm. And I, there was just no chance that was ever happening. <laughs> well, everyone else told you about my their rounds. I filmed my round. Hole one went fine. I, so I said like a T-Bird, like a Rock 3, and a Luna. That's what I said my discs were. I didn't I have like – yeah, I didn't have a Rock 3, which kind of stung because I, I had a lot of overstable stuff. I didn't have a Rock 3, so I went with a brand new uh, Lucid Emac Truth, which is slightly less stable. It's like mm-hmm. a 5502, but in that you know brand new, it's it's like, yeah. okay. That's my most stable one I had. Um, hole 1 took a very easy par. It's like a 200-foot like straight shot. Uh, hole 2, I typically throw a Firebird on flex down this like forehand gap. And I threw the T-Bird on flex and I threw it really light because I was like, it's a T-Bird, it's not a Firebird. Uh, and I shanked it in the trees, walked over. As I walked over, I knocked my tripod over, a uh, very heavy tripod, knocked my phone out, cracked and broke my phone. Uh, so I got four throws into it and one was <laughs> terrible. Um, so I am currently waiting on my replacement phone. If I had to guess, I typically like at my course – my best score possible on nine would be like six down. Um, but I would most likely shoot like, uh, like two down if I had my whole bag. So I bet I would probably shoot around even there, but most of those discs, like I bag a truth, 
um, and I bag a T-Bird, and then I bag an Envy instead of a Luna, just because putting with the Envy is weird, so I didn't want to do that. So I'll film that maybe later when the new uh, phone comes in. That's, that boy. <laughs> there's going to be a case. There's going to be a screen protector. When, I, when um, I heard about that, I was like, dude, we are saying suck it, man. And he cracked his phone. Like, you went home yeah, crying. Like, mom, mom, <laughs> mom, these kids are bullying me. It was so – I was like – I looked at it. I was like, that crack's not going to – do anything and i don't really care it's an iphone se like i don't it's not even a big deal and then mm. it was just deep enough the screen wouldn't oh. turn on <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh. Bad. so uh, I, had but, a, I had a similar thing the first round that i filmed after i got my lav mic which obviously plugs into the bottom of my phone wind blew my tripod over like barely just i guess hit the ground and bent it enough to where the lightning connector just broke straight off of oh, it like sick just return to amazon though thanks amazon yeah, <laughs> I was so I was so happy because my my younger brother does like video production and like all this kind of stuff. And so he had a really nice <laughs> tripod I borrowed. And I was like, wow, I've got a great tripod for this. It's got a uh, feature. This is gonna be so nice. And I just <laughs> Bro, can't level the phone that much. Well. <laughs> clapped. Yeah, so unfortunate, but I'll get to it. Uh I'm excited to get to it when I get a chance. Yeah. Um what about Tyler? We know we've heard about this a little bit. I think we're excited to hear about this. You were in a kind of tournament you and your friends set up this weekend. What was that? Tell us about that. So I talked about it last week, so I won't go into the whole format in depth. I went back and relooked at that episode. I'm like, dude, I didn't need to go with that in depth. My bad. So it was a Ryder Cup style. So we picked teams and then we um and then we had uh, three nine hold rounds. We had alternates on the front nine. We had a scramble on the back nine, and we went back to the front nine and played the short baskets, and those were singles matches. Um, so it was a ton of fun. Everything that lived up the hype for it. We were the team to be on paper. And so we were talking all this trash all last week, and we get to like Friday, and we're like, uh, we're, we're going to win, right? We're like, there's no chance. Cause like, we're like, we had one guy in our group. He changed his, 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 um, username to Venmo me fitty on there <laughs> because we were playing for 50 bucks each and whatnot. And so he had already like changed his name. So anyways, we get to the alternates and me and another guy who's arguably the best player in the group get matched up together. We play against their, um, best team on paper. We thought for alternates, and he throws his first tee shot on hole one, smacks first available, which he never does. And I'm like, great. We take a five on the first hole of a par three. Then I get up to my hole where it's a forehand shot, super easy for me. I smack first available and go left on that hole. We scramble that. But then we get the hole three. And this is the only time I'm only going to go in depth, but I have to like start the this is how it started and then we get the whole three he throws a tee shot smacks some guardian trees and it's only a 240 um foot throw but you throw it through a gap which we've all done a million times he just um early released it hits a tree and so i have a little look to just lay it lay it up and then we take par and we move on instead there's like a little tree on my left i just didn't think about and i was like you know what i'm gonna run this thing and i did like a whole like jump and leaning and i smacked the tree kicks off to the right and we take like a four there when we should have been a three and we literally looked at yourself on the four and we're like dude can we stop being bad for like one <laughs> second like this is ridiculous so we got it together and um we took a point 
And then um, our team actually was up 2 nothing. We took both points in alternates. Um, the sad part was is that the group, the other group, um, the other team was up uh, a whole shot going into the last hole. And not only did they not tie, but they actually lost. And they lost two strokes in the last hole. And their arguably best player was in that grouping as well. So we're up 2-0. And we said, hey, if we're up 2-0, we're winning the whole thing. Going to scramble, uh, me and another guy, uh, our team captain, uh, we planned on putting us together because we're like very solid players. We put our best with our worst on paper. They went out and they got the point. They played really well in a scramble. We played against their best team, their best player, um, and um, another guy who's pretty good. And we were down two for a long time in the last two holes. Uh, we were coming down the stretch. We got back within one on the last hole. And um, they had this awkward putt. They missed it. And so I needed to make this like 25, 30, it was like 30, 35 footer um, to get a half point against them. And I nailed it. And I did the whole like, come on, like scream. And I was super hype. And, suck it, Matt. Yeah, suck it, Matt. <laughs> that came into my head right after. But the the funniest the funniest part, oh, let me just finish the story. And then we went in the singles. So our team is up three and a half to, to a half point. All we need is one full point and we win. Long story short, we um, we win six to two in total. We smoked them in the end, kind of. But their best player, um, he was leading going into the last hole on both his team uh, um, team points and lost. So he lost or not lost. He lost one and he tied the other. So he lost a point and a half. And so when it comes down to it, if he had just followed through and, and clutched up and just played that out and won they it would have been we would have had four and a half points and they would have had three and a half points and all you need is four and a half to win so we would have snuck it by by that much but um he faltered the last two holes and then i played against him in singles and my putting just went absolute berserk and i made everything and uh, i won two up against him and that's when like we all knew like oh it was it was just done because um, their only hope was that we were the first group to go out and uh, they had to beat us and uh, they, and it was not really close in the singles. So but the when funny you part, said, when you did the fist bump putt, do what? Like, and subscribe, <laughs> like, and subscribe. The funniest part was about the whole putting situation for me was I, um, I went and played a practice round Friday with Mercy's and I putted with Luna's like the entire year, pretty much at towards the end of the year. And, but the Mercy's fly a little straighter and it's also a softer plastic. And I thought it'd be better when it's colder. Went to pla- practice round Friday. It was terrible. So I went home, picked up my Luna's practice in the backyard for 10 minutes. And I said, all right, Luna's it is put them on a stack by the front door. I got another stack of discs for if there was changing weather conditions, if I need to switch during the round, which came in really handy because I did. Um, And so in the morning, I picked up the stack of discs that I put aside that were like the interchangeable ones and I put them in the car and then we went to the tournament. And when we got, and so when I got to Stafford Woods, I looked in the back of the car and I was like, where are my Lunas? And I was like, oh my gosh. I didn't even bring my mercies either because I took them out of the bag. At the very bottom of the stack, I had accidentally picked up my CT old Lunas that I hate, 
but um, I had to putt with those because that's all I had. And I do have a good memory with them. I did win the Delaware Amateur here with those. So I did have a good memory with them. In the end, though, it worked out perfectly. But I panicked like the first nine holes. I was like, is this going to ruin our match? I didn't say a single word to anybody about how I screwed this up. But, um, yeah, it was a good event. We won 6-2. There was a lot of smack talking going on. Um afterwards a day after i would say not immediately right after but yeah good event it was it was super fun and um i'm just gonna say i got my champagne right here that i enjoyed right after (laughs) that has to be like top five worst pre-tournament feelings open your car like oh i don't have my putting not like a driver like you've got stuff to cover i don't have my putting putters (laughs) it was the only good thing was is that i went well i won uh, an event with these putters before so that's the only good thought i had and um when i got matched up with their best player in singles because it, it's totally random um he was he saw me putt he saw i mean i hit that big putt against him and he was like you're gonna put like that on, on in singles and i was like you better believe it and then at the end i told him these aren't even the putters i normally putt with and that just sent him over the edge <laughs> W uh, yeah. has a win there. What 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 don't you like? Is it the plastic you don't like of those lunas or what? Um, yeah, I would say so. I like I, f- I feel like I like something a little bit more tacky, but I'm telling you right now, it's they're not coming out of the bag the rest of the year, and I have to have like a couple really bad rounds because it, they they've been clutch in tournaments so, so far. So it, yeah, yeah, it's got to stay in the bag, and I hate that, but yeah. What was, plastic is your mercy? Are your mercies in the zero medium? yeah okay they're very it's very malleable and yeah yeah that's what i put my peers with so that makes sense but yeah no that's sick vibes are definitely up there that's the goal of disc golf is you know smack talking some buddies while just dicing them up so that's that's the goal there um however those goals get a a little distracted by uh disc golf politics and whatnot and that's kind of what we're talking about today i'd say Um, is a lot of different disc golf politics. And the first one is something I called, I think on episode one. Am I I crazy on that? It was was two. It was episode two. And that is that Champions Cup got rescheduled. Everyone knew it was going to happen. Okay, the fact that we thought that we could destroy a great course and rebuild it in a year and then have it perform well is one of the most insane things I have ever heard in my entire life. Like, there is no scenario that that was going to happen. I, I don't know. I, everyone, everyone was like, yeah, maybe it'll happen. No. I don't, I don't know if you guys had different opin- opinions on that, but I felt like there's no way that's going to happen. My only opinion was like and subscribe. Oh, my God. That's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. I, I definitely know. think um... – the crazy thing too is, didn't they say in the announcement that the like clearing of the woods that has to come out like hasn't even started yet? So, yeah, I mean that's yeah. tough. I think like hindsight, obviously, I think when they found out this needs to happen, it should have been rescheduled, moved to another course then, and not like hold on to a dream that we can get this ready by the end of the year. So uh, we'll get to a lot of topics on like the moving and how it affects the tour schedule. But I think that that's the biggest blunder in my mind is like, as soon as we heard that the course had to be changed, moved anything, and it's in question for next year, we just got to get this concrete on the schedule at a course we know is quality and we can have it at. And then just we'll think about, you know, IDGC after. Yeah. I think also like when I first heard about it, I was like, Oh, okay. Good move. Late June. 
you know, at least they moved it before. Now we don't have laid and whatnot. And that's all I thought about it. But uh, as time would tell, uh, it, it screwed up a lot of opinions. So, yeah. So the, the big deal is it happens to overlap uh, a European event. It's on Northwood Black's ne- Black now. Um, D-Glow is getting changed around as well. But it overlaps some European events and essentially says, like, you either go to Europe or you play Champions Cup. And there's one wow. way or the other, and you're not doing both. Um, and just this has caused a lot of conflict from quite a few players. Yeah. Here. So I'll, I'll let you know. So the European Tour under the PDGA, I'm sorry, I always say that wrong, Pro, uh, Disc Golf Pro Tour, not the PDGA. Um, the European side starts June 16th, right? And so I believe Champions Cup is going to be June 24th, I think. Or something like that, 24 to 27, or maybe it's 23 to 24. But yeah, the European Tour is starting the week before Champions Cup. And so, you know, as they report, it says Nicholas Antela and, and Vino Makala voiced their um, displeasure on Instagram as both players have planned to play in Europe for the Swedish Open and beyond, which the Swedish Open is going to be June 30th. So the other thing was, is that I'm sure they were thinking, oh, we'll start over in Europe. And then we'll go play European Cup and then we'll come back to the States and we'll play the States side and play all the tour and we'll play, you know, everything to the end of the year. So now they have to make a decision is do they come to the United States? Do they go back to Europe and then they come back to the States again or do they skip Champions Cup completely? And I think the biggest issue is Paul McBeth also, he, it says here in quoted on Ulti World, Paul McBeth also j- suggested in a Facebook comment that he would be playing in Europe and skipping the Champions Cup. And that is a horrendous look for um, everybody in the pro disc golf world. I mean, Paul is the face of the MPO. And if he's saying he's not coming, it's just a bad look. And, and it's not just a bad look in the sense of like, He's not um, like he's not playing in it, but it's also saying like it's I think it's devaluing the major of a cha- of the Champions Cup. And if they want to have four majors that are evenly weighted, so they want to say, um, I think Paul McBeth is really saying here, um, there's only a couple majors that I truly care about in the Champions Cup because of the history of or lack thereof. Um, I don't really care about because he hasn't won that one yet. And I don't know if it, this sounds like he doesn't care to win it in the end. Or maybe yeah. spiteful because he hasn't won it. <laughs> yeah, true. Good point. That's a good point. Yeah, I feel like, okay, so I think there could have been, you know, I think this is like oversight. And then on top of that oversight by, you know, by the pro tour here, because I, I think oversight, they are obviously picking to not go through this and like, they're like, oh, we're going to put it here, even though we know we only have a year to make this happen. And then oversight again, oh, look at this gap in the schedule. Why don't we uh, Why don't we throw something in there? And then guess what? Like now they're there. But, but I don't know, like what other courses is going to be at if it's not here? Well, we're talking about Champions Cup? Yeah, if, in, in this scenario. It's, it's, it's just, well, I thought you were being specific. I was going to say, it doesn't even say Northwood's black, actually. I, I, I think I said that wrong um, before, but it's just, it's Northwood Park. So it could be the Blacks and it could be another course that they have there. Uh, yeah, I mean, this article says Champions Cup rescheduled to June on Northwood Black. So Okay, interesting. Before they just said Northwood Park. So yeah, that's interesting. Tinker around with the layout again. 
I think the two, like the biggest concerns that I have, and I think these are coming to mind as we talk about it more, right? But think about how back heavy the season is, right? Like the tournaments that matter at the very end. Like, is there a world where we see Kristen who has taken extended breaks to stay in Europe before she can get pro tour points from the European tournaments. Now, does she say like, I'm not even going to come to the States until yeah. August at this point. So at that point you're looking at Kristen Paul, not playing Nicholas, obviously a contender. Like it's going to be a pretty Mickey major <laughs> if we have like such a lack of field there. So it's definitely, it's concerning for the champions cup for sure. I think if you're the, uh, is it the PDGA that's really behind the Champions Cup, or is it the ID, whatever they call themselves? Do you guys know? Well, the PDGA, no. like they're headquartered at the IDGC. Oh, that's what it's called. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I, I guess this is the PDGA involvement, really. And oh, it does say PDGA considering another Champions Cup, you know, as okay. So, uh, they're just bad dude they're a bad organization i don't know what else to say like how do you like keep screwing this up like you can't make you know how unprofessional it looks and we're going to talk about some like you know what professionalism is i think in in, in later in, in some other topics here in a minute but like it's really like it's a bad look like think about it if it was just like a a a regular like mass company um, or something like that. And they kept on changing the scheduling for something and it would just irritate the life out of people. It just seems so unprofessional. It's like, why can't we make a sound decision in disc golf? Like I don't understand it. Like, I don't know. I think there needs to be a mix up or not a mix up, but a shake up uh, with people. Well, it's definitely felt like, Oh, sorry. There's, there's definitely too many cooks in the kitchen. Yeah. Like for, for every major to have like a different organization that's running it. Yeah. It, it's not going to work like that. You have to have like one set group that says this one plays here at this time. Then we have a space. This one plays here at this time. If, if you have, if you have too many people like picking and choosing, then no one's going to get it right. Yeah. I will say in ball golf, we do have a similar scenario where the, I think it's called R and a, um, which is over in Europe, they take care of, of the open and they're totally um, doing their own thing. So it is their major U S open is the USGA who does the U S open. And then the, the PGA championship is run by the PGA um, nation of America. I think is what it's called or PGA of America. I think it's what that's called. And then masters is its own thing as well. So there is like four different organizations that run those tournaments, but I agree in the sense that like, we need to like maybe those f- like whoever is running these majors need to come together and say, "Hey, how do we all work together so that we the, there's a sound base for the future of this is when tournaments are going to be, this is where they're going to be played at, so we don't conflict with one another and start making like knee jerk reactions on what we need to be doing." It's it's I don't know. It, I can't talk about it too much because it just makes me so angry. Well, one thing I noticed is none of those organizations that you said for golf are brands. So if you have a brand, if you have a manufacturer that's doing a major for us, not only is it not fair in certain aspects, but they're not going to play ball. If you say, okay, we have to remove your name to make it like as, as neutral as possible. They're going to be like, no, 
So I just want to make sure that our our viewers understand this. We're pretty much referencing Disc Mania with the U European Open and Innova with the USDGC, correct? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And I think the disappointing part for me too is I think that that entity that you're describing that like sets the schedule exists and it's the Pro Tour, but like this is just another example of the Pro Tour knee-jerk reacting to something and putting out media net, like setting things way before it's even very well thought out in my opinion like we saw this yeah. a lot with the transgender issue like the united tour and all like the ebbs and flows yeah. of that last year this is another situation where they're like band-aid fix press in put it out there and then two weeks later they're like oh crap we screwed the european tour now so it's just it's not super well thought out and i feel like the pro tour has a consistent history of this stuff now yeah, and it's, I, I think we saw or put up somewhere online that, like, someone was like, look who the tournament director for this is. Nate Heinold. He doesn't want people going to the European tour. Bro, he's not that smart on that level. That is not his goal. If I set the Champions Cup here, I know I'll need to reschedule it. to no Like, he's not doing that, bro. He just didn't think. <laughs> like, this is just whoopsie-daisy and then whoopsie-daisy again. And then now our question is, like, do they reschedule it or do they hold firm on where they've decided that? I've seen that take two about Nate really quick. I just want to say there is not a lot of good tournament directors in disc golf. And that is a horrible job, a very thankless, like not great position to hold. So I, you know, I disagree with, you know, as much as Nate Heinold's takes and a lot, as much as anybody else, but that is definitely not where my mind went straight to. Yeah. 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 I, I, I agree. So, you know, my main question I was thinking about for this is with Paul Macbeth's statement and other people like when when, when there's been this big discussion with Yulabari and and all these people about worlds and worlds not being as significant as or we're trying to make all the majors equal. And I think until we get rid of worlds completely, worlds is just going to be the one that everyone wants to win. It's very, very obvious. So it's like if worlds is the tournament to win, why even have majors to begin with? Right. And if we want to talk about how, like if we're, you know, if disc golf, if people get mad that we, when I compare disc golf to ball golf, it's like, okay, if you want to be completely different, then let's just focus on what, what we do really good and what people care about. So, my main question is this, should we just embrace a two major system in disc golf and just have USDGC and worlds and maybe you can move on? I guess you would say get rid of European open, even though there's some history there, but like, it seems like no one really cares too much about that one in the end. And who knows about champions cup. So do we move to just a two major system with USDGC and worlds? I think we go three. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think we got three. Keep European, and we have three seasons that we play disc golf. Those are the three the three majors mask the three seasons, mm -hmm. and then we're off for the winter. Yeah, I wouldn't be opposed to that in the slightest. Because, like, what, what, my question is, like, for the people who like Champions Cup and the people who are big fans of Champions Cup, like, what, why? Is it the course? What, is it – or was it the course, I should say? Like – the old history like what is making what makes you enjoy champions cup so much and my question is if we change it to northwoods black does it keep that you know i think yes oh. and i'll i'll say i am a fan of having four majors mainly due to to avoid the situation that we see this year and i think we're just at 
a crux of like very poor timing. The issue with the scheduling is that worlds changes every year. Like I like having champions cup. I like having a spring major. And I think I like having four majors. The wrench in that to balance the scheduling is that world moves. So like worlds is not going to be at the same, you know, time frame each year. Um, I mean, I think obviously the sport is still growing and we've seen majors come and grow. I've referenced Australian open on this show before, which was a major. Um, I, I think spacing wise, we need to have four majors. At least I would prefer to have important tournaments, you know, throughout the year. Um, it's just, we're really struggling in the scheduling department. I, I have a really big hot take and nobody likes to hear this, but I think we need to get rid of, rid of Worlds completely. I think it needs to be a completely different major. I don't know what exactly you would call it because, you know, Worlds used to be this tournament where everyone would come who plays all the time, right? And this is something that everyone has discussed this entire season is that of this view of Worlds because everyone would come to it. And nowadays, all the best players are playing against each other all the time. So what really separates Worlds from any other major or from any other tournament, pretty much. We're just going to slap on an extra day to it, pretty much. Is that the difference with Worlds? And we call it Worlds, so it makes our nerves get more nervy. You know, um, I think you get rid of Worlds. I think you stick to four majors, and now they're all evenly based on the weighted of value of when you would want to win. Now, in, in ball golf, like we have four different majors. We have we have the Masters, U.S. Open, the PGA Tour Championship, and the Open. Players have different varying favorites of which ones they want to win. Usually it's Masters, U.S. Open, or the Open, or the British Open, as it used to be called. And so I just think with having Worlds, it just degrades the other majors. Like, if you win European Cup, I just – I don't think you're as excited. Like – I, I think there's a different tier level of Champions Cup and Euro and European Cup and USDGC and Worlds, right? You know, Worlds is, is a different format. You know, USDGC plays at this course. It's super difficult where you have crazy scores at and you have to play your best golf. And then European Cup has been played at this one course every single time, which is great over in Europe. And then Champions Cup are trying to establish this at this one course. It's just too much going on. I think you, it has to be discussed about what are we going to do with Worlds or if we're going to have four majors, how do we make them evenly weighted? Yeah. I think the question for me too is, I don't know. I'll, and I'll pose it as a question, do you guys view the Pro Tour Championship as important as a major? Hmm. Because I feel like in my mind I should, but I don't, right? Like yeah. it's I don't the same course, either. it's the biggest payout, it's the most... I mean, other than USDGC, which you have to qualify to get in, you have to, I mean, that's an even harder qualification in a lot of cases to make the Pro Tour Championship. It has yeah. so many of those things, but for some reason to me too, I, I don't even know why it just doesn't feel as important. Yeah. Yeah. I would yeah. say also in ball golf, there is another tournament called the Players Championship, which is seen as like the quote unquote fifth major because um, they schedule everything around that as well. And it's the certain month and certain course they play it every year. And it's a great event. Um, but also at the end of the year, they have like, it's very similar to disc golf. They have this like leading up the call to FedEx Cup and whatnot. And uh, no one looks at that as a major, nowhere near it. Um, but it is something that people want to win. Um, and Jeff Spring has also said that they want to have their own major. And I think what he's tried to do is make it very um, elusive because of how much money they pay out, which is why they want to make it seem so important. But no, not for me. It's, it's not a major. 
Yeah, I, I would think I would agree with that. I do actually think USDGC probably ranks highest for me. Like if I had to like think about like which one I care about the most, that's probably that. But I'm I'm much more of like a when I'm viewing these, I'm much more of like a like what level are we at? You know, like where are we at level wise? And just like vendor village and all that kind of stuff is like just levels above everything else we have. And like I think that's why I view it so highly, not necessarily because of like another specific reason or something like that but just that vendor village Corey, what do you think about getting rid of worlds and just having four regular majors like and subscribe <laughs> i think no, that I, worlds I, I think... shouldn't be worlds until it's in europe it's not how's it worlds and it's only ever been in the united states yeah I that's think... my question i honestly think we should do three majors do usdgc uh, European Open and X and then the finals instead of having like the Pro Tour Championship that should be Worlds and it should be I don't know maybe top 20 top whatever number you want to call and every single card is going to be filmed because these mm. are the top players and that way you can see everyone you're not seeing just the the lead card and uh, chase card, but you're seeing every single one. And that's that's the way you can kind of bring in and say, like, do you want to see your favorite top tier player? Mm. Go for it. And, uh, yeah, we got to find that X because I don't think it's Champions Cup. Or I even agree. just take that away. Yep. I really like the every card is filmed. That just like the idea of like i mean it's worlds you should be able to see like everyone that's playing yeah does um anyone think we should get rid of worlds as well no yeah i could be, I could like be in the middle keep, we, we should keep the name because Worlds sounds the best but we should definitely change it to be something better it would be interesting well, to see that kind of be taken over by the concept of a pro tour championship kind of thing yeah, I, yeah. like i I'm like gonna, the idea of the most yeah. important tournament of the year be the most exclusive tournament of the year where like it's i think i think what I'm, to gonna qualify. Do, I'm, gonna write down, I'm gonna write down everything that i like think should we should all do this write down what your ideal season should look like and we should compare them and maybe next yeah. next episode or something like that but we should definitely look and see can we manipulate the the layout to where like it'll actually make sense we wouldn't have to change any kind of major well we would change the majors but then we would like make it make sense not like next season <laughs> so yeah I, th I think that that would be a good idea I want yeah. to see what you guys would come up with too. Yeah. I, I love, I just went to worlds this year and I thoroughly enjoyed every minute of it. And I think it's really cool. I just don't like how, if you go out and you win another major, it's just not as great as winning worlds, but yet they're both majors. So I don't, I personally don't like that. Like if you're going to have a major, make them all even and make them all weighted great. Um, but I just think it's know, hard mentally. Like, so if we take away worlds like USDGC then becomes the most, I think it's hard to make them equal at this point. Like, unless you're just completely starting over it's for at least yeah. the population, the media, like just mentally, it's super hard to just make them all 
even like in everyone's yeah. brain i was thinking the exact same thing i think you you get rid of usdgc sorry yeah you get rid of worlds you go usdgc you get rid of usdgc you go european open you know like you'll just always step down the ladder unless they're all at the same time or we give enough time for one of them to build history and class that you're like okay i like this you know but i think you have to you either have to just nuke them all or just wait and hopefully build an amazing event to compete like in our heads so. I like how USDGC, you have to qualify for it. I think that's mm-hmm. great. And I, I don't know why they don't like world should be like, you should be seeking disc offers from like various countries and bringing them in the masters in, in ball golf is it, they do something similar where like they try to have a great variety of international players. And I don't know if worlds really seeks out to try to have a good wide variety of um, international players. But one thing, the last thing I'll say about this topic is this is, what are the two majors where there are disc? Uh, how do I say this? The two, I'll just come out and say it. The two majors that are that you you get your name printed on a disc for is USDGC and Worlds. I know Eagle has a European Cup open, or where they make some um, com- com- what do you say, commemorative, commemorative, commemorative disc, or whatever the case may be. But let's be real. I have an AVRX three that has Jeremy Colling on it st- from 2017. Still, you know, so those are the two tournaments that if you win, like you're forever goaded with yeah. winning that tournament. No one's forever goading anybody for European Cup and Champions Cup, at least yeah. not yet. I just thought of a really good idea for Worlds. They should rent out a cruise liner and Let's have go. it on the Let's ocean. Let's go. Yes. <laughs> then it's not in anyone's country. It's just part it's of the international world. International waters. waters. Heck yeah. Put, put them in the Bermuda Triangle. Yes. Bermuda Triangle is coming in. All right. Uh, we'll, we'll think about this. If you've got questions or we'll, what are your thoughts? Tell us in the comments. Do you like a two major system? Do you like a three major system? I think I'm with Corey on this one at the moment, but Tyler's pretty convincing as well, but let us know. Get, get really mad at Tyler. If you want to, I've been getting a lot of flack. So, you know, easy W <laughs> for me. Here. Yes. <laughs> I, I've been, I've been putting a lot of takes that people don't like. So yeah that's you're kind of our you're our brody of takes that people hate in the moment with that totally even, cool even if they, they make sense all <laughs> right so our, our next big thing we want to talk about because this we all most of us individually saw this and then we came together and we were we all had like most of us had similar opinions on this so simon lazard if you didn't see he recently attended um a course design clinic he mentioned it in one of his videos. I think he also just signed on to complete a course with Casey White um, this year. So he's doing a lot of course design stuff. And he started asking a ton of questions on his Instagram. Um, and some of those questions I was responding to. And the like the public response was crazy. Yeah. Like just some insane responses. So I figured we'd go through them. I think Tyler and I probably agree on most of them. But I'm I'm curious what Corey and Taylor think here. Um, so the first question that we have highlighted here is Simon Zott asked, should the pro tour care more about playing the best courses or playing in the best locations? Taylor. <laughs> Taylor. Yeah. Taylor. Sorry. I know me and Tyler both agree on this one. Yeah. I, 
it's hard, right? Because ideally it's a mix of both, but if it has to be black and white, one or the other, I think it has to be in the best locations. Cause unfortunately a lot of times in disc golf, I mean, we saw it with what was the blue Ridge championships in Carolina last year. I mean, incredibly sick course doesn't have the lodging to support the players, the spectators parking cell signal to film it. I mean, unfortunately it's kind of a pro and con of how much the sport's grown, right? Like at mm-hmm. this point, we require a lot from a location to deliver the experience that a pro tour event should deliver. So right. that unfortunately has more to do with the location more so than like how sick the course is. So I think we all agree that it, it the only thing that matters is how good the music festival is near it. <laughs> um, but in actuality, yeah, I, it's definitely location, but at the same time, if they want to play at these like best courses, they're going to want to, we're too small to fork over money to like build lodging and build all of these things, especially when we're not actually playing in like, it's not like a golf course. It's not a, a, an ice arena, a football field. It's literally like a park. Mm-hmm. out in the woods mm-hmm. like it would be different if they own the property they can manipulate it to make the best course ever but also it's their property so they could change it however they want have lodging have parking have all of these amenities but that's yeah that's not going to happen so i'm i'm, I'm going to say whichever one is closest to a good music festival is where we should where we should be playing wherever kevin jones can can play out aj usa <laughs> yeah I yeah I a hundred percent agree and here's a crazy thought to be clear we're not saying like just abandon all of the great courses but here's a crazy thought do you want to grow and be able to build lodging at these places with amazing courses great play at courses where I can bring buddies and convince buddies to come over half an hour to see this cool sport that they don't know about and don't really care about like and if I can bring those guys in and one in three of them will drive the half hour or less because it's in a big city that we all live in. Like, guess what? That turns around to maybe later we can be building lodging at places that have amazing courses and improving places that have amazing courses. But I think everyone agrees here, and Tyler probably has more to say on it, but it's got to be the best locations by far. Question. What do you think the perfect amount of commute is to get to a course? Like the, absolute, play. like the absolute range that like like what do you think is is a an like acceptable <laughs> amount of distance to travel if you're lodging in the vicinity but not actually like at the location it's like how far outside a city would a course need to be to qualify basically yeah because like i'm i'm a half hour from kensington where deglow is mm-hmm. and that's where my house is i know we have a lot of lodging like in my metro detroit area Mm. but is 30 minute drive worth it for people to like stay in a hotel near me or does it have to be like literally get out of the hotel drive like five minutes down the road and then be at the course like what do you think the maximum is for it to be worth it to like show up for a pro tour event correct yeah i would say 45 minutes is appropriate Okay. Yeah, I, I aim more towards a half hour, but 45 minutes seems fine. But yeah, yeah, somewhere right around there works for me in my eyes. Yeah. Tyler, you also agree with us here? Location, yeah. location, location? 
Yeah, I think what we need to do is it, just to kind of extend what you, Corey just said. Um, we used to have a national tour event right down the street for me at Iron Hill, the Delaware Disc Golf Challenge. And when I would go to that event, I talked to a couple of guys and they would travel from really far away, like Pittsburgh. And um, I think there was a couple of guys from like Southern Virginia that would drive up and they stayed in hotels overnight to stay at this event. So I think like people want to really go to these events and they'll, they're willing to travel to places, if, um, you know, places to stay at and, and, and whatnot. I think what we need to be doing is, is saying like, okay, what do we, what's the main goal here? Do we want to show off our athletes playing in like, uh, like the, these courses they've been playing at for a long time that are proven or do we want to have more fan experience? Will people get the chance to come to the event to watch these people? I'm telling you right now, I really don't think anyone truly cares about the quality, um, like the pure quality of a course. If they're going to see pros play, like there's a course down the street for me that was brand new. It's wide open. It's not like the nicest course, but it's like pretty well put together. There was a ton of people went and watched that um, skins match just because we got a chance to see the pros play. So we need to be saying, okay, what's the goal? If we're going to grow the game and we're going to get people to come and get hooked and watch pros play, like, have some have some tournaments around high density disc golf areas first off i think should be on the map right we should be rewarding those areas but also like where do we want to expand the game and how can we market like this is the person who's doing marketing for the disc golf pro tour should be like like this is your job like how can we be pushing the game and growing the game further in these areas and like they need to be one saying okay let's go to let's just say like san antonio it's a very highly populated place where's a disc golf course that we can play around this area and get people excited about going to this type of event so i'm, I'm all for location like but we need to, to kind of have a good game plan about where we're going to be having these events with the like places that love disc golf and then also places that aren't hooked yet, but are highly dense um, places like New York city, LA, uh, Miami, St. Louis, you know, a couple of these other places. Those are just raining, uh, naming a couple of random places. Yeah. I, one statement real quick to just kind of sum up my thoughts and opinions on this. I would drive an hour to like a local C tier level course to see Paul, Ezra, these guys play, right? 100% Pro Tour caliber course an hour for me, probably going to go play it at some point. Not like a high priority for me. Like, cool, I'll go check it out when I have time, but not like, oh, I'm going to go see Paul play. Like, you know, one of those things. Like, I'm going to go see pros play. So I think at this point, there either way, people will complain about the course, but the players themselves drive spectatorship more than the course does. Yeah. Also, I also just want to put this out there to answer like the question Matt was putting out there. It says, should the pro tour care more about playing the best courses or playing the best locations? Matt, I don't know if you said this, but the poll had like 80% people saying playing the best courses. And I was yeah. floored. I was so mad, dude. I, but but you, you got to think about it like this, though, is that all the people following Simon are like, disc golfers have been playing for years i feel like and so they're gonna of course gonna say oh i want to see the best courses but they're not i I truly don't think the people who are voting were thinking about 
like the bigger picture of growing the game. So I'd be really curious to see about um, if they were to do a poll in a different way, how it would go. Yeah, I agree. And I, yeah, it like I, I drive an hour and 45 minutes to play a normal course in my area, bro. I a hundred percent agree with Taylor. I will drive, you, you know, stop doing way. <laughs> bro, I have like four around me. What is a brother supposed to do? Um, but no, like, I, yeah, I think that's, no one's thinking that at all when they're doing this. Yeah. Move might might work there, but uh, no one's thinking that at all when they're doing this. And so they're just like, Oh yeah. But I think it's a no brainer. If you take a second and actually think about it, I think it's a no brainer. Like, but you know, if you're one of those guys like, I don't care. We don't have cell reception in Northwood Blacks. Uh, Black, I don't care. Like I've been see whatever. If you're one of those people, like you're gonna be mad about it regardless. But that's I a think crazy it's Chicago accent, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, uh, all all mad people are hillbillies uh, from my area. So that's, I, that's, I have that's an idea. That's where you get. I have an idea. We should take. Okay. I know you said Tyler said like. It should be a location that's like kind of booming already, like a major city or something like that. What if we go opposite? What if we let the pro tour like purchase a giant area and then they can build their own hotels, their own restaurants, their own course? I say let's donate all of Ohio. <laughs> I, mean, I, I think you're describing through. emporia kansas <laughs> I've, yeah I've, yeah but i've driven through ohio it's it's a lot There's of nothing, nothing there so like just take the majority of ohio you can keep columbus dayton cleveland those could be normal cities the rest of it gets donated yeah. to the pro tour and then we can create like this giant basically what eagles crossings wanted to be yeah but without the weird animal statues and we'll just, yeah. Can't tell if it's a jungle there or not. <laughs> I just want to donate Ohio. That's all I'm saying. All right. Corey's Corey, put it in his vote. We respect it. We'll, we'll take it here. Uh, this is not the only topic here that I think made Tyler and us, Tyler and me so mad. It was just there. A lot of these were so skewed and it was like, no, like real thought here. Um, and I, and I think I know like the extremes that each person who was like answering was thinking in their head. Um, just, so another, I just want to say real quick, like the mark, I just feel like the marketing in, ah, oh, man, I want to say, I don't want to generalize, but I see the marketing on the, on the disc golf pro tour. I'll just stay on them is so bad. Like, I just feel like we could be doing so much better. Like, why aren't we getting bigger people, bigger names? Why aren't we letting people sponsor the tour titling um, of the, of the, the tour, you know, as other sports do, like there's so many ways to bring money into this sport. Um, I just feel like we're getting left behind by pickleball and I get it. There, there's tennis players that are involved with pickleball, but um, we, we got to do a better job of marketing disc golf and just going to the same old, same old courses and going to golf courses. That's not going to do it. Like Paul Macbeth has already said, I'm going over to Europe because I'm tired of playing golf courses. And so what, I mean, our biggest, like, you know, pony boy is Paul. So we should be talking with Paul and be like, hey, what can we do to market this better and, and work with him to have him a part of what we're doing here? Because we only have a couple more years, I think, of, of prime Paul or maybe just Paul playing in general. So, um, yeah, they got to do a better job. I'm, I'm disappointed, um, to be one, honest. One issue I see with that is pickleball is literally just miniature tennis. I know. I know. Golf is not I know. anything similar to disc golf. So it's not like we could be like, oh, 
Tiger Woods. You should try this because it's yeah, fun. It's, it's not, not going to happen like that. And honestly, until we get big enough to where I hate to say it because I love playing disc golf for free. Mm. But when courses come out and it's pay to play and you can keep up with them and it's property that is owned by a disc golfer, that's not just like here, slide a dollar in this little slit in this mailbox and go play. I'm talking like real genuine, you're paying for the experience then we're not going to have courses like that. Yeah, I can understand that. Yeah, but I want to get into these other ones because I think we have yeah different takes on some of these other ones. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's go here. I, can, I was about to start talking about my local uh, ski resort that has a disc golf course, and they they're we'll talk about it another time. They're ratchet for that. But um, uh, our next ratchet. question. This is another one that uh, Simon Lazat posted, and I also saw some really skewed uh responses here should pro disc golfers dress like pro golfers like and subscribe (laughs) (laughs) i'm trying to get our quota so that we can like the last couple yeah we have to make up for the last three definitely behind yeah 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 yeah. i mean tyler Tyler, Tyler, what's your take on this Tyler? i know so i would say I'm uh, my my main focus is like the why factor like that's like me in general in life like why like why are trees no but like um so what does the pro disc golf tour want to do what's the product they want I think because like you have this community like we talked about episode one that has been around forever and they're just a bunch of boys in the woods going out and doing their thing and enjoying life. And there's also there's professionalism. And now we're like colliding a little bit right now. So we kind of got we're at a crossroads about what we want um, the tour to go to. I think there has to be some sort of like professionalism that needs to be laid out. And I think they've done a good job of laying out the rules. Now, um, I will say that I'm not as far as going with Brody. All right. Let me say this. Should we be dressing like pro golfers? I'm going to say yes if I have to go black and white, okay? But I want to say, like, the pants, I don't think it is necessary. I think there should be collared shirts involved, and I think there should be definitely dress codes in mind about things that you can and cannot have. We want to look very professional. I think also when we're talking about professionalism, this is a whole other topic, but, like, the catting situation needs to stop with the girlfriend following the guy with the bib. I can't stand that. We can talk about that another time, but I, I'm all about making it professional looking and like making it an actual professional sport pro tour look nice. So I think we're already doing that though. Am I wrong? No, I think you're actually absolutely right here. I think this is naturally solving itself. I don't necessarily think you need to have like collared shirts, but like the jerseys that people like uh, Brody wear and other pros, I think that looks fine. It's a well-fitted Jersey. A well-fitted pair of shorts. I think you've got like people like Ezra that are going a little nicer and sometimes that's fine too. But like, bro, don't show up in the in the stained t-shirt and beat up tennis shoes, bro. Like that's what I'm you don't see as much these days. And I think the reason is because we're starting to have pros making more money. Uh, and so that's something they can be thinking about a little bit more. So a lot of and we're also having like companies come in that do that, like jersey companies and all those kind of things to make unique designs but same deal if it was black and white i'm saying they shouldn't dress like that but to be clear i'm looking for an in-between in my and also head. simon's poll had pro disc golfers 
should not dress like pro golfers. I think that was the majority was winning was they didn't have to look like pro golfers. But anyways. Yeah. I'm going to say no. I don't agree. I don't think we should. My main thing really comes down to more on like the marketing side. Like I definitely the general demographic of golfers in my mind wants to look like a PGA golfer. I don't mm. think the general demographic of disc golf players want to look like a PGA golfer or like, it, I don't think it just fits in the same way. And I don't want, you know, if we force pros to wear that, I think it ostracizes also a lot of disc golf companies from like pushing out merch or pushing out products, because obviously you want the pros to wear your products where, you know, things that you can sell to the average disc golfer. And I don't think the ad- average disc golfer is buying polos and slacks to wear out on a disc golf course. So it's a balancing act there. Should it look on the nicer end of that spectrum? I would love for it to, but I think, you know, for the healthy balance of the marketing and growth of like the merch side, it still needs to stay more casual. I would say that's a good point with, with selling the merch. You know, my my only pushback that you didn't really even say, but I'm just going to say this, is that, like, when I go out on a disc golf course and I'm playing for fun with guys, like, there's no there's no reason for me to wear a polo or anything like that. I just think for the pro tour, it should be a little bit more professional. But I get your point with the merch. I, can, I hear it. Corey, do you agree, disagree? What are you thinking? Uh, Black and white? No. I don't think we should be looking – like golfers at all uh the biggest thing for me is functionality golfers look like that because it was a gentleman's sport and they're barely moving they are twisting their body like maybe 70 degrees and then they're walking you can do that in pants you could do that in a polo tucked in very fit that's not what we're doing we're like actually moving unless you, uh, if you, if you want everyone to look like golfers, then we all have to throw standstill. And do you want to do that? Probably not because we have, we have like literal run-ups to get more distance. So I'm going to say, no, I'm going to say we should find something that is maybe our own. I don't think we've touched it yet. I think we're kind of like in that gray area still of like, we don't know what to do but then also the reason i don't i always wear a t-shirt when i'm when i'm playing dry fit shirts i i don't do well in like it's just like my body is not made for a dry fit shirt ever since i was like a kid i'm allergic to them so i feel you (laughs) yeah yeah that's yeah like my armpits get rashes i i'm sweating in places i didn't know sweat like it's really weird so i'm gonna wear a normal shirt anyway matt don't look at me like that no no no, sorry 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 i have stuff turning on okay i agree i agree i'm the same i don't look I don't look in the dry fit shirt. You, you made that look as soon as I said that. No, like, you're good. No, I 100% agree. Yeah, I 100% exactly. agree. No, no I, I think we should we should keep looking for something that's going to make it the most reasonable and functional. Whether it's slapping like every logo on the planet on the front and back like a billboard because that's kind of what like F1 drivers if you look at their outfit, it is literally covered head to toe in uh, sponsors and brands and everything like that. I don't know if we have to get that far, but um, yeah, I definitely think golf is not the way we should be looking. 
My my big pushback is uh, all the best players all wear polos and they generally wear oh, pants. Why? why do they? Yeah. I mean, I I haven't heard them explain why, but I would say because they want to look professional, they want to look good. I think there's tons of 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 uh, collared shirts and pants that are stretchy enough that are very functional. When I played in a tournament, um, a couple was it last year? I played in stretchy pants and it felt really good. And I like playing in pants so because uh, I'm trying to protect myself from poison ivy. But I mean, I won. Well, no, I, I'm saying like you're saying they want to look professional. Mm-hmm. Where are they getting it from? Most likely golf. If you look at it, are you going to say that um, a hockey player in a jersey doesn't look professional? Because mm-hmm. I beg to differ. Like that's that's their profession, and they're looking professional for that specific thing. I think we need right. to make something our own, so it's not like oh, we look like golfers now because golf looks professional. We can look professional. We just have to make something. Yeah, I mean. <sighs> What looks nicer, a t-shirt or a polo? I don't know. While someone's running up and throwing, doesn't matter to me. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it really matters to me, but when they're walking and when they're moving, I mean, I just think. Yeah, but yeah, but we're we're not we're not moving in the same way that golfers do. Golf, like I hundred percent agree. I understand that. If you're watching a golfer, him and his caddy are walking so elegantly down like a flat perfectly trimmed fairway yes that looks professional when you see people walking through the woods and then he grabs a disc and does this crazy form run up and throw it farther than we can that looks professional to me it doesn't matter what he's well i mean it matters what he's wearing because like you said you don't want like ripped pants and you don't want like a gross dingy shirt but there's a difference between that and like the jersey the collarless jerseys that we're wearing already Mm-hmm. I don't know if there necessarily needs to be a rule saying that they have to wear collared shirts, but if I would prefer to watch somebody wearing like Eagles jersey or like Paul and what Ricky has worn, and I'm trying to make a thing, I can't think off the top of my head and a couple other guys, but like I, I think it's great what Paul and Ricky wear with the collar, the collared shirts. I think it looks good. Not even like just regular collars, but like the mock one that comes up a little bit. I think even that looks good. But I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fight to the death for it. But I just I prefer that look more than the other look. So yeah, I, I think we should be throwing in tuxedos. I think so. It'd be an interesting turn. Totally commit. Like, stretchy tuxedo. That's the world's designation. That's what makes worlds more <laughs> better than the other terms. You Everyone have has to, to show up in a suit, <laughs> fitted, yeah. and, and if you mess it up. But that is that is that is something you have to learn and battle, especially in the time we're in right now in the winter time. Is what is just enough like hoodie or winter wear to where I can still functionally throw, Mm -hmm. but be you just warm enough? That's something that I battle with, too. Yeah, no, that's true. As long as I'm throwing one of these, it doesn't matter what I'm wearing. It can be like thirty degrees, and I'm still fine. I'm wearing a t-shirt because I'm throwing this. Uh, that's false. You wear that hoodie every video. Yeah, that is true. That is. Corey says this, but Corey's always wearing the jeans and hoodie, or the jeans and t-shirt. I respect that, the, the it, hockey, the hockey yeah. hoodie, which I love yeah, by the way. But yeah, 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 that's yeah. It. 
The only reason I'm wearing only the black one, I have a red and a blue one over there, but I haven't gotten my logos put on them yet. So I don't want to like wreck them before I get my, uh, my merchandise done. No doubt, so. no doubt, no doubt. All right. I think we've, we've all voiced our opinion here. There's more to talk about. I, I would be so amazed if we had a divided opinion on this next one. Um, but this question, Simon Lazat asked, I think it was a very reasonable question. It's my favorite one. The response was very reasonable. Should there be a limit on the amount of discs you may carry during a tournament? I think yes, but... Did not see that coming. I did not see that coming either. Yeah, I did not see that coming at all. I, I think yes. I think there should be a limit. And I think it just has to do with like skill. If these pros are supposed to be like the best in the world, they shouldn't need 50 different drivers that do different things. They should be able to manipulate the discs that they are allowed to have. Um, same thing with, you can only carry 14 clubs in golf. And what is it? Three sleeves of balls or something like that. Oh, you can carry as many balls as you want. It's just if you but when you run out, you're done. Run yeah. out, you're, yeah. you're done. Or, yeah, you're done. Yeah. So there's like basically what I'm trying to say is there should be a specific limit. I mean, even if it's 30, 30 is well more than like what the average player carries. I mean, I would say probably 18 to 24 is like a normal number for like um, any average disc golfer. I would say 30 is pushing it. But if we had a specific limit, it would make the pros think about their disc selection a lot more than just like having 10 destroyers that all do different things. So sorry, I was the I was the one. Yeah, that's impressive. I did not expect that. I, I don't have a problem with it, but I think you <laughs> threw us all for a loop there. I used I kind of thought in between that someone mentioned that, you know, Unlike ball golf, it's like your club and your ball are together. Um, And so for that, I could understand. But I do think, I don't know, you could probably, I would be okay with either way. I think it's really funny. You see like uh, Jake Wolf recently did an in the bag and he's the like overhand and like crazy forehand thrower. And he had like discs that needed to be stacked in certain ways so that like this one had to be pressed against this one specifically so the dome didn't change and then this one pressed with this one and i think he had like 40 or 50 in there and i was like i saw that i was like i was like whoa dog i don't know i don't know if we need all that brother wasn't there wasn't there um a video recently where ricky had like two separate carts that his caddy was like pulling yeah i saw something he's been going double so you'd, you'd rather see that than a limit no, 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 I'm saying I'm fine with the limit, but like, that, I don't know. It's just so crazy to even. I, think I want about a strict it. limit. Very strict limit. I mean, yeah. no, no, it's not very strict. It's not like you can only have ten. I'm saying like, twenty-four sounds good. I don't know why, but twenty-four. Guys, sounds guys, good. I, I did it. I got Corey to get really serious. We fired him up last <laughs> round. Now he's in this. I got him. I, I got him. Tyler, <laughs> uh, do you agree with this? As a ball golf guy, do you agree with this uh, limit that Corey's? No, dude, let people throw as much. No, I'm just kidding. No, um, I'm definitely with the limit. I'm actually like stern on like make them throw only 20 discs max, including their putters that they putt with. Like keep go. it keep it real limited. Like I did the math out and like you can have like plenty of discs to cover whatever you want. And um, I think the biggest pushback I've heard about disc limiting is like, well, if I lose one like that, just I'll just lose that slot completely if I get limited. Well, 
just gonna have to game plan better then. And you also just lost a disc. <laughs> yeah, and you're a pro, so why are you losing a disc on the pro tour? This is an interesting you know. piece. Like this is what people talk about with this, but in your scenario, you're saying you lose one in the water or something. You not only probably do you have a stroke penalty, but you've now taken the L and lost a disc that may be essential to your game plan later. Like yeah. no, like big whoop, you lost your At disc. At least for like, that so. round. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, I agree with that as well. Like, you could yeah. definitely change between hands, but. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm with Corey. Like, I want to see these guys, like, if they're so good, they should be able to take any disc and do a lot of stuff with it, right? And I've seen Drew Gibson take one disc and do, like, some crazy skill stuff. He's on, like, a skill rant right now with uh, on Twitter talking about limiting certain things so we can see more skills. Um, he's, he was talking about, like, trying to remove more overstable disc. So people would have to learn touch and feel and whatnot with throwing disc. And yeah, I think we get to see a lot of skill. And I think that's what we miss from back in the day um, with the flippy disc that people used to throw, used to get to see some really cool flights. And now it's just hyzer, hyzer out baby. And just let it rip. And I want to, if you think about it, Tyler said 20 discs. If you do the whole, like understable, neutral, overstable, that's still only 12 discs. You'd have three drivers, three fairway, three mids, three putters, and then your putters, that's 14. Right. You should get, be able to get you should be able to get through a course like that. And then absolutely. you have six kind of like mystery discs that you could add wherever you want. Right. Exactly. And that's what I try to aim for myself because I also want to I mean personally it's just limiting my decision making is what I try to do, but yeah, I'm, I these pros need to get it together. Like when I see someone pull up in a cart at a tournament and they have this whole thing of disc and then they have a pouch with like five more disc and then up on the handle they have like two more disc. It's like, bro, I'm going to see you throw like six disc today and I'm going to see you throw like the other like, you know, 34. So, you know, it's I don't know. There's a there's a guy that plays my local course that has a cart and when he opens it, it's just a cooler and four discs. <laughs> That's amazing. I love that. All right. I'm yeah. so glad I'm last year because I got a zesty one. I got a okay, go for hot it. take for you guys. I completely disagree. And here's why. So in golf, there's the club limit. Corey, like hold and on. subscribe. Were we, were we on debate night when we had this question? I think so. <laughs> I think you and I were on debate night because you and I had a, I think we had conflicting opinions about this. <laughs> so here's why. Tiger Woods' income is not based on a signature three iron. If we limit discs, that limits possibilities for player expression. And I think what that does, I mean, it's getting better now that there's a lot more relevant companies. But if you're on Team Discraft, you're lying to yourself if everybody doesn't want a signature zone, buzz, force. Like, the player expression comes from, like, I need to make this disc look good on camera and sell it because my name's on it which is an unfortunate spot to be in, but I think that's a huge part of the game right now. Go ahead, Corey. Yes. <laughs> How many people have a signature zone that's actually Discraft, not a sh- like a stamp from... That is w- true, like, and that's changing a there's lot over the current one. years, yeah, but I... Well, technically, there's probably two, because Paul Macbeth has his name on like every Discraft disc. Everything ever. <laughs> but there's, Five time. One, there's only one other person, and I think right now it's Adam... Brody. Zone OS. Zone OS. Get freaky. That's like, that was, I think that was created because his original contract was like, 
he gets X amount of discs because he was like a famous dude perfect guy. But outside of that, I'm saying like the zone, one person gets. Every year they get to pick like a disc. So I think you could still get away with that. I'm not opposed to Corey's argument if the statement is made that we're talking about a potential future in which most people on tour are earning a living, like just from their own contracts. You know, like I agree with Taylor's argument in the current moment. Absolutely. And I think that's actually something I didn't even think about until you mentioned it. I agree with Corey's argument in the scenario that most people are making a living just off their contracts. And then there's tournament winnings on top of that, which I, I think we're in the middle of right now. Taylor, did also, you, I was just oh, say, Taylor, did you finish your point? Yeah, for the most, I just think that the players' financial compensation coming from the product throws a wrinkle in that. We're like, there we wound needs them to up. be because if you limit, even if we say a pretty large limit like twenty-four, I think that puts a lot more pressure on you as a player to prioritize discs in your bag that can cover more slots and less player expression. Where if your compensation comes from the product, like is Garrett Gerthy really having like six Sonics in his bag if he's limited to a certain amount of discs in his bag? Whereas, you know, that's a big part of his brand identity in my mind. He might actually might be still lost. Have he really might. That. But <laughs> I just think the compensation being tied to the product and the way it is now throws a wrinkle in trying to limit what product you can carry. Yeah, but as as like a casual player, you don't have to limit your bag. It would just be tournament. No, no, I think I think Taylor is saying in this scenario, if I am a Discraft Pro, I want to make sure my name is on something like the Passion because I could throw the Passion on Heiser and Heiser or straight. If my name is on something like the Venom, like I don't want to have multiple Venoms, so I don't want to have an overstable Venom and a beat up Venom. I want to have one. So in that one choice, passion reigns supreme over Venom because it's an overstable fairway and I can only use it for certain shots unless I'm AB and I'm just using it all the time. Do you, wait, you said the passion is an overstable fairway? No, no, no. I'm saying the passion is a straight fairway you can do more shots with than the Venom as an overstable driver. So I want my name on the passion because it's easier for me to use it in tournament play and use my own. Yeah, disc that would be the same as like, I want my name on a seven iron because drivers like that. I don't, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense to me because like it's two different slots. Yeah. But I'm saying I'm not going to care if I'm a pro and I only have 16 discs, I'm probably not carrying like, or we'll take Brody for instance. I'm probably not carrying a zone OS, but then how am I going to sell a zone OS if I'm not even carrying it in my bag, like I know I can do the steps, but if I can pop out my in the bag and say, Zone OS, I use this all the time. Brody doesn't use it all the time. Probably not. So like he's not going to waste one of his tournament slots on his own OS. That's yeah, but his you're signature looking, disc. You're looking anyway. at it as like how it is now. Yeah, where, yeah. Where they're probably giving people discs just because they want to sell that disc and having a name on it is easier to sell than just a blank disc. No, I, I, to be clear, I'm agree. I'm saying in the current world, I understand where Taylor's point comes in. And I think that makes sense in the future world. Your point could certainly make sense, but we have to grow a little bit more before I think we can make that transition. So Taylor, I want to make sure I got this correctly. So your point is really coming down to it. It's limiting people from buying discs from signature players. It's more just like coming from the side of a signature player 
I think it's more just highlighting it's an unfortunate part of the game right now that I, as a pro disc golfer, need to think about what's in my bag based on how that benefits me compensation-wise versus how those discs benefit me on the course. So yours, yours is purely like you're just thinking about the financial side for pro players. We're more thinking on the side of like, we this is a piece some... I don't think any, not a lot of people thought about previously. No, no I did not think about it at yeah. all. <laughs> I think you said that on, on debate, debate night. I was ready for I, I was kind of thinking like you might say something about I just I, I want to see like the pros like, you know, a big thing that, that they've been talking about is like the side of someone I was like, do we really need to make disc golf be harder um, or should we just embrace low scoring, you know, disc golf? But I want to see like pros like have to throw skill shots, throw shots that they have to manipulate the disc. I think if we limit their disc, we get to see that a little bit more. I might be wrong, but I want to see them do some some cool things with some with some discs that like, um, you know, Eagle, I think, is more likely to do that. I think also, like, it's definitely possible to be really successful and have uh, a small amount of discs. I think Gannon only carries like 17 so and he's called people out he's like if you can't win with 17 discs and you're just not good and i was like whoa so i mean he has called people out for having like a million discs he doesn't understand it yeah no but yeah once again i think we're thinking of it from different views like tyler and Corey are thinking of it from like your future view like where that compensation doesn't necessarily matter it'd be nice but it doesn't have to and only your top earners are going to get their name on the passion or something like that and taylor's kind of on that that right now skew you know where if players were making a little more it would make a like you could immediately push towards tyler and Corey, but you're kind of in that in between there um which in my head i'm kind of in between both of you guys here because i I I have another question when's the last time you bought a disc because of a pro's name on it as Uh, opposed to like you wanted that disc already uh, get freaky composite era get freaky Uh, Get Freaky Zone. Never threw a zone before. Saw it had Brody's name on it. Bought it. Um, Drew Gibson, okay. finish line discs. Bought his so discs because it was Drew Gibson. Well, that's that's his brand. But I'm saying – Yeah, like, but I'm saying like that's the only reason I subscribe. I was like, I like Drew Gibson. I will now subscribe to so this. Are you, so what is what is your favorite disc to throw? Uh, probably like a, I would say a river. Okay. Are you going to go out and buy – a river with a specific name on it, or are you just going to buy a river? I'm going to buy with a specific name on it, probably. Why? Because uh, I like the player. Which player? Whatever. Like, if it's a player that is has a river. That okay, is, what, if you, like. what if you don't like that pro? You're not going to buy the river? It's probably whatever has the best price on it then. Exactly. So it doesn't actually matter as a, a consumer. Like, yes, sometimes it does, but... Like if you if you had a Zeus or an Onyx without Paul McBeth's name on it, still gonna sell. Is, is it though? Is it though? If if Brody says no, because that disc <laughs> does not exist without Paul McBeth's name on it. Yeah, but I'm know. saying you could you could opt that in for like anything. The Lozado went crazy, bro. There's there was two, there was hexes out there before. Only two, maybe three players have that effect. It's going to be yeah. Simon. It's going to be Paul. And we might throw Ricky in there because when Ricky started doing the slammer and all that kind of stuff, like some people started buying that. But that's the only disc I'm thinking of that like is Ricky's disc that people would 
want to buy. Like he also has like an enforcer. Oh, the felon, I guess too. But like, I don't think about any of that. So I'm like, all right, what's the cheapest available option that I can get if I lose as well. And that's a disc I want to buy. That makes sense. All right. Let's not spend much too much time on here. Tell us if we're crazy in the comments, please tell us if we, if you think we are just out of our minds here, because we could be, but I don't know. I'm in agreement with everyone here. The last question is the one that I legitimately have no opinion on. And I want (laughs) to hear your guys' opinion on because I am so confused by the question. Paul, sorry, not Paul McBeth. Goodness. Simon Lazard asked Paul McBeth. Simon Lazard asked, instead of making OB an instant stroke penalty, the player gets the option to rethrow without a penalty or play normal OB rules. Do you think that's something we should add or not add? This one confuses me more than anything. This one confuses because you can abandon a throw. You just take the stroke penalty. So I guess this is just getting rid of the additional penalty for abandoning a throw. Yeah, abandon a throw, but no stroke penalty. So like, this is the big difference for me. It's like, okay, you're in the middle of the fairway and you throw a shot into the water. All right. Do you take the stroke and let's say you throw it out. You have to retee. No. <laughs> let's say in you the throw middle it in the fairway, you throw it in the water, you have to go all the way back and retee. Yeah. Let's say you throw it in the water like 100 feet away from the basket, right? So do you take the, the stroke and drop there or do you say, I can rethrow this and if I get closer, uh, it's one stroke less? I like, think do you that's want the what, advancement or do you want the stroke basically? And, like I, th- and I think there. that's, I think that's their thought process is like, okay, like you can give a little bit of like risk reward opportunity. Like, okay, I know I didn't throw a good shot. I know I can throw a good shot. If I put this in circle one, and make the putt. I'll make up the stroke. Or if I'm not, you know, confident about where I am, I just take the drop, take the pitch up and then tap in like there would be one more stroke. So I think this is when th- this rule would really come into effect is that kind of scenario as well. Do you guys, here, here's my question. Do you guys see this? This is a potential use of the rule. Okay. I'm a pro. I can throw 500. Um, there's a 550 slightly downhill wooded par four. I know that I can get myself an Eagle chance or I go out of bounds and there's no in between. Do I rip my first shot? If it's an eagle, I keep it. If I go out of bounds, I just rip again and know I'm always making a par. Like, is that is that not inevitable to start happening because of that? Yeah, that's what my mind went straight to with, like, putting, right? If you have a death putt that's looking at out of bounds, do you just, like, mm. it could make mm. putting more exciting, right? Do you just send the putt and, like, worst case, I just get to do it again, right? Like, and then you don't yeah. have to take the out of bounds stroke. And I don't know about you guys. My second putt's goaded. Like, I never miss the second putt. Yeah, never miss the second putt, bro. <laughs> Second player is always a better player. Yeah, I mean... I don't like this. Yeah, I don't like this either. To be clear, I don't... Like, this is kind of a weird one. This is too much like a video game where you can hit a button and go back to, like... Yeah. Start, start point. Yeah. I loaded no. my Skate 3 character before the putt, so I can just replay <laughs> to that one. Yeah. I'll, I'll be honest. When I first got on the disc golf, I actually thought that was the rules in disc golf, where if you went OB and you wanted to... But this is here. This is why, actually, on Disc Golf uh, or Disc Valley, the app, the game, it has the option to rethrow. And I was like, oh, I can just rethrow 
and not take the penalty, but obviously I take the stroke for the throw that I already threw. So like I was doing that and then I was like seeing my score. I'm like, this isn't adding up correctly, but I thought that's originally how you played it is if you went OB, you had the option of rethrowing and not taking the penalty stroke and that, except for what you threw. So, um, I would I say this should be something that like a TD can add to specific holes. Like okay. if it's an island hole, f- go for it. Mm. Just throw as many as you want off of this, but I I, I don't want it to be like everywhere. If that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. I think the island hole makes it. Um... Yeah, I think the island hole it, that just would have make it, play it more like appealing. seventeen at USDGC. Basically, like every highland is just like just rip it till you make it. Essentially, yeah, yeah. Maybe so. I mean, this is I don't Tyler. Do you remember like the skewed yes versus no on this one? Um, I I have a picture of it. Let me look. Oh, he has, I looked for the picture. Oh, while you're looking, I also want to say that. I think they need to change up how OB and Hazard work in certain scenarios. Like, okay. What What does that look for? <laughs> Nothing. I wasn't uh, expecting the result. I just saw the... Uh... Oh. <laughs> Sorry. But go ahead. I like your take. Keep going. I like this take, so, I think. So especially for like um, sand traps. I think a sand trap should be um, take the distance, maybe take a stroke, stand still from there you have to dig your feet and you can't run up or anything like that i think that would make it a lot more interesting Mm -hmm. and a lot more um i mean it doesn't have to be sand it just has to be like specific hazard areas you have Mm -hmm. to stand still because then they would show certain skill and you could put hazard like that anywhere i've heard two of tournaments doing like hazard ob where the hazard penalty is the disc has to be upside down at some point in its flight whether it be like tomahawk thumb or roller like just something that's yeah, a little like, out there that's a little zesty but <laughs> i know yeah but i know i know a lot of people are gonna say like that's gimmicky but like make it own it own the fact that you mm. have to do a specific thing off of certain types of hazard you can even have areas where you it's not you don't get a stroke or anything but you have to do a standstill from that shot I actually, I actually thought that if you were in the rough, you had to do a standstill when I first got in the disc off. Do you have like really tall grass? <laughs> yes, <laughs> I mean, you might have to. I mean, that's yeah, the closest we'll get to like the skill expression of ground play in ball golf, right? Of like different lies contributing. That that's the closest yeah. we'll ever get to that, just because obviously we don't interact with the terrain in that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I, I wouldn't be opposed to that. In my area, if you are in the rough, you are in literally four foot tall grass and you could not run up if you wanted to. Yeah, mm. It's like insane. There's a local course that like, I'm not kidding. It's like a three foot wide fairway and it's four foot tall grass over the side of a mountain. I went and found four discs and lost eight. In I have one another round. one. I have another one, but this is very gimmicky. Did you guys ever play Wii Golf? Mm-hmm. heck yeah brother remember that hole where you could either hit it into the fairway or mm-hmm. there was that island mm-hmm. and like if you miss the island you're screwed but if you mm-hmm. made it you're basically like a stroke early what if they had areas where if you land within this we'll say hazard but it's just a, a marked area there's another t box that you get to like go up to 
afterwards. I love so it. So <laughs> you're throwing and you're either going OB or you're landing in this marked area and you get to go throw from like a 150 foot tee pad that or you it's would like only the anti-drop zone, like the yeah. beneficial yeah. drop zone. <laughs> yes, it's you get to move up. I think that would be so cool, especially I think we need like I know we have what what's the first uh the first event of the year? It's always something Las Vegas. Like, well, don't don't we have like the All-Star all Challenge? All-Star Challenge. Yeah. Yes, the All-Star Challenge needs to change to be something that's like more fun like things like this Bro, people would think that's out. so gimmicky but like can you imagine the hype of like oh, paul Macbeth, whole 18 world championships he's going for the boost shot straight to like the drop zone. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's like this wild 650 like. uh, but like, think about so it. It, could be like a, it could be a huge par five or if you make it onto this one platform off of the t you get to go up to 150 feet so how many, how many like, people would do it though? Like, that, that's my question. And the, the reason why I'm asking is because my first thought is literally uh, at Vegas, they have like the 300 foot par four where it's mm. the island or you can go like for it. Island, and, yeah. yeah, I just wonder if like I, I'm thinking about people going for the island. Um, I wonder how many people will go for that spot. I wish they would, but yeah, this is my scenario. Once again, this is a, a present talk versus future talk, future talk. It doesn't matter if you're doing second place or you're doing 10th place, but you want second. Cause you want to make a second place. You're down two strokes, par five. You hit Corey's turbo boost. You pop, you have like a chance to make an Eagle now, right. Yeah. Or throw it in from 150 feet for a three stroke swing and just, just clap on this hole and like <laughs> imagine how sick that would be you either pop to a second place or yeah. you're just you're yeah, i'm not gonna lie you started 50. saying this and i hated it but now i love it like i, I want this next season <laughs> i'm this is what i'm saying yeah. it, it's yeah. it's gimmicky i actually agree with the same it's a gimmicky until someone you like pulls it off right. and it's sick and then you're like i'm down for this <laughs> like that's the difference there like you're like oh it's gimmicky whatever and then like Simon Lazat pops off and, and pulls that one on you. And like, and, yeah. And honestly, like I'm thinking about Vegas, the last hole where it's like, it's flat. And then it's got that hard diagonal. Like that kind of is like that in a way, like there's not like a, an obvious Island there, but like, if you're really trying to like put yourself in a good position, you throw to that spot. That's a, a tighter spot to get to. Yeah. I mean, it could go back to a course design thing. Like even, okay, we take out the actual like boost pad part of it, but if there's better risk reward in course design where it's like, yeah, this shot yeah. could pay off huge, but it's really hard. And I just think course design might not be to that level of like those routes aren't there. Like that's not something we have currently. How do you feel about this gimmick? C1 is hazard. So it's either you're making a good putt. Andrew Marweed's off the tour. A... Andrew Marweed's done. Just saying. Or maybe maybe like uh, the bullseye is grass, hazard C1 outside of bullseye, and then C2. That is so a take either... on making putting harder that I have not heard yet. I've not heard that one, but... I thought uh, about it because of that sand green at... Uh, mm -hmm. USHGC. Yeah, mm -hmm. but like, what mm -hmm. if you had it to where it was cut and it was like a donut of sand? So you're either pinning oh. it, 
or you're you're laying up to C2 and then hopefully making the putt and staying in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so just so we get this on record here. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Like and subscribe. <laughs> Dang it. I was about to do that and you ruined it for me. <laughs> um, okay. So, oh. Let me let me add a little bit more information to this that Simon had. He said, "So if your tee shot goes OB sixty feet from the basket, you can choose to re tee or take it sixty feet from the basket, throwing three. Okay, kind of like what I described, anyways. Yeah. So I did that like um, subconsciously. So the voting came in that they say yes, this is a good rule change. Fifty eight percent think it's a good rule change if they were to give people the option." Yeah, I knew it was that one was closer. I knew it was the closest of the bunch, but I didn't know what it was. All right, but- so let me let me give you the percentages of each one. So the first question about um, disc golf location or places: eighty four percent said course is important. Um, should disc golf pros dress like pro golfers? Sixty seven percent said no. Uh, should there be a limit on the amount of disc you carry? This one was the, probably the closest. Fifty four percent said no. So it's pretty close. And then the last one was 58% says, yes, it's a good rule change if they were to change it. We can get to this another uh, time, but I love to talk about the different OB, lateral, water hazard, because in ball golf, we have them established. And in um, golf, it's completely different, or disc golf is completely different. And I think we need to have more stroke and distance OBs like there are in um in ball golf, I think that'll make people really think about going the hyzer route a lot more, which I'm really sick of people taking. Yeah. 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 No, we can absolutely talk about that. Um, to wrap it up here, if you agreed with us or disagreed with us, I know the, the bad part about Simon's thing is it's a yes mm-hmm. or no question. You have the perfect opportunity in the comments to give us something other than the black and white here. So feel yeah. free to. We will probably argue back with you in the comments <laughs> if that's the case. Um, gentlemen, any last thoughts? Like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. Next time you're and out comment. there and you hit a C2 put, suck it, Matt. Oh, that's so... All right. And, well, I'll, and I'll, I'll say one more thing. Also, um, again, be on the lookout for our Instagram giveaway that will be coming out very soon. We're trying to get that together this week, so be on the lookout. Um, we'll have some instructions uh, for that either next episode or on our Instagram page, so be on the lookout for that. Yep. Join us next time where Corey tells us about his new tournament, the Corey Classic, where he implements oh, all the pads. rules. Reduce pads, uh, <laughs> hazard in C1, limited disc count, and we can we will all drive over to Corey to play it. And it will I'm gonna, be on. Yeah, I'm gonna write down all my ideas. <laughs> yeah, we'll make it happen. All right. Uh, thanks so much for joining us, guys. Feel free to check us out on Instagram at unfinished business their pod i believe it is check out the guys videos on their three disc rounds those are pretty fun and we'll me and tyler will hopefully have something coming soon like subscribe we'll see you guys next week bye peace Peace. okay bye